0: Parents' Rights Now, a production of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. Pre welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, ParentsRightsInEd.org, and like us on Facebook. Our chapters include Arizona, Alaska, Colorado, Idaho, Illinois, Montana, Ohio, Oregon, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. Hey everybody, today is March 10th, Thursday, and we're going to pick up where we left off uh, earlier in the week in our discussion about Montana. We were finishing up with a story about Jim Riley, who moved from California to the Flathead, in 2019. And he became a school board member and decided uh, actually not to uh, continue to enroll his children in the local school district because of the mask policy. And so he made that decision, stuck with it. He decided, you know what, Um, as a community member, he could pay taxes as well as have a vested interest in education of the students in the community because they will be future leaders and business owners, teachers, and coaches. He believes that he can bring great tools, resources, education materials, and foundational elements to the kids in his own community. And everybody benefits from that. When the state superintendent, Arnson faced pointed criticism from public education leaders in December about ongoing issues within her agency, Riley was one of two Montana school board members to co-write a letter in her defense. The letter was signed by 21 Republican lawmakers and hundreds of Montana citizens, Jen Schneider among them. They commended Arnson for helping parents resist forced masking. And while Arnson has publicly encouraged Montanans to treat school officials with respect, the plaudits from Riley and his co-writer, Missoula County Public Schools trustee, Michael Gell, underscored Arnson's popularity in the parental rights movement that's working to restrain Those officials' authority. I quote, You have been stalwart in promoting the rights of parents over the superintendents and their radical agenda, the letter read. You are a true pioneer and champion of parental rights and parental choice. The letter also highlighted a critical facet of Montana's current parental rights debate. It's not just about masking. Opposition to pandemic-induced policies opened a fissure in the public education conversation, exposing an undercurrent of frustration and distrust about what schools are teaching and how. Tuscan said one of the most important targets her organization has identified is sexually obscene or inappropriate books in public schools. The Billings School Board weighed that issue in January after a local parent challenged the presence of two books, the autobiographical novel, Lawn Boy, and the graphic novel-style memoir, and the graphic novel-style memoir, Gender Queer, in high school libraries due to depictions of sex. The board received hundreds of emails, a majority reportedly opposing the challenge, and voted unanimously to keep both books on their shelves. One trustee suggested that the push for removal was tied to an out-of-state agenda. Trustees of the public Imagine IF, or Imagine IF, Libraries in Kalispell reviewed a similar complaint over both books in January, voting unanimously to retain Lawn Boy and delaying a decision on Gender Queer until the board could update its policies to allow for books removal. Tuscan said she wasn't directly involved in either challenge, but did become concerned about a different book. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. Last year, her inquiries about the book's presence in Bozeman led her to discover that two local high school libraries had copies of Gender Queer. She said she spoke with district officials about her concerns, but since she doesn't have children in the district, she has been unable To lodge a formal complaint. Quote, We as parents want to protect the innocence of children and we feel it is our role, not the schools, to decide when, what, and to what extent our children learn about sexual relations, Tuscan said. She also went on to say schools should be partnering with parents to help us educate our children and not undermining their ability to raise their children in traditional values. Unquote. That concern is tied to a broader effort within the parental rights movement to shield children from content some parents deem objectionable and to oppose comprehensive sex education, which fueled the legislature's passage of Senate Bill 99 last year. The new law prohibits health care providers that perform abortions from participating in high school sex education. Lawmakers also passed a bill addressing another core issue cited by parents' rights in education, LGBTQ inclusivity in school activities. House Bill 112 bars transgender women and girls from participating on women's school sports teams and is currently facing a legal challenge In Gallatin County District Court. But the hottest topic under the parental rights banner in recent months has been the debate over critical race theory. The term refers to a decades-old movement among legal scholars and civil rights activists to thoroughly examine the interplay between racial justice and law. School officials, teachers, and state education associations have repeatedly said that CRT is not taught in any Montana public schools. That has not deterred parental rights advocates from raising the specter of such teachings in public discussions about school curriculum and policy. In Montana and nationally, CRT has become a catch-all for any instruction that critics perceive, as advancing notions of white guilt and white privilege or characterizing racial disparities as the result of systemic racism. Attorney General Austin Knudsen entered the fray last May, issuing a legal opinion declaring the teaching of CRT to be unlawfully discriminatory and pledging his office's support to parents or students who allege race-based discrimination in the classroom. Knudsen wrote the opinion at Arnson's request. Quote, individuals may not be instructed or compelled to apologize for their race or forced to admit privilege based on their race. It is illegal. Likewise, that a particular race is negative or evil, it is also illegal for curricula to instruct a student that members of a particular race or racial identity pose specific dangers to other individuals. Unquote, according to Knudsen, public conceptions of CRT have become so expansive that educators have been forced to reexamine institutional vocabulary. They've relied on for decades. Last month, a state advisory council proposed adding the word equity to the professional educators of Montana Code of Ethics. Despite repeated explanations of the word's specific meaning in education circles, public commenters invoked concerns about CRT in opposing the change. That argument mirrored a contentious debate in the Bozeman School District last fall over the adoption of a new equity policy that board trustees insisted was designed solely to ensure that individual students receive the resources necessary to support their success. Quote, equity's been in education for a long, 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 long time, unquote. Bozeman trustee Le Anna. Bertelson told MTFP, quote, we have Indian education for all. We have the Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act, where you know students with disabilities, were required to give them the least restrictive environments and provide all kinds of support. I mean, it's nothing new in education, so educators are not scared by this word, unquote. The distinction hasn't hit home with parental rights advocates, who continue to view equity as a code word affiliated with larger social and racial justice movements. Through that lens, the word is a red flag for a political agenda, one they argue will open the door for CRT in schools and damage student performance by equalizing standards based on a lowered common denominator. Bertelson joined the board in May 2021. Parental rights didn't come up during her campaign, she said, but blowback over the equity policy became immediately apparent that summer during the board's first in-person meeting in nearly a year. Dozens of parents, including Tuscan, showed up to oppose the policy as a Trojan horse for CRT. Bertelson whose grandparents immigrated to the U.S. from the Philippines, found the debate shocking, particularly, she said, as the only woman of color on the board. Quote, You're telling a person of color that racism doesn't exist? Unquote. Berthelsen said, Quote, That's, that's unbelievable, right? Unquote. After tabling the policy that summer, the board introduced a revised version in November that didn't include the word equity. Bertelson said she was disheartened by the concession. She said the spreadsheet she created to track public comment showed that 85% of the 500 letters she received were in favor of the equity language. Even so, she's grateful the episode presented an opportunity to publicly discuss equity and institutional racism. Quote, at the end of the day, it is a better policy than what we used to have in helping more students and helping all of our students to succeed, unquote said. Ryan Zink, Montana's former Republican congressman and a current Republican congressional candidate in Montana's new Western District, proclaimed the board's removal of the equity language a, quote, big win, unquote, for Bozeman parents in December. Among the hashtags listed in his Facebook post were hashtag CRT, hashtag critical race theory, hashtag conservative, and hashtag values. Despite this and other high-profile victories, parental rights advocates continue to express frustration that their voices have not been heard, and their search for a solution has brought the movement to a far older but equally contentious arena of educational debate. School choice. Tuscan said "Pre's policy priorities for the 2023 legislature will focus on curriculum transparency, again increasing the cap on tax credits for donations to public and private school scholarships, and directing state education dollars to provide accounts that parents can use to enroll their kids in non-public schools and programs. Past efforts to establish such accounts specifically for special needs students, have drawn fierce opposition from public education associations, which argue that the accounts would divert public funds into private hands, harming schools and students alike. For Kendall Cotton, president and CEO of the conservative-leaning think tank Frontier Institute, those policy goals reflect why the parental rights debate has become so prominent in Montana. Earlier this year, Cotton penned an op ed applauding the movement and praising Artinson's embrace of it. Now remember, Artinson is the state superintendent of public instruction. Quote, the critical race theory stuff, the mask mandates, those are all really on the surface of this problem. Unquote. Cotton told the MTFP, quote, the deeper problem is that without the freedom to choose other option, without the freedom to choose another option, parents really just lack control over directing their child's education, unquote. While that assessment is a driving force in recent activism and debate, it falls short of acknowledging that the steps public education advocates have taken to respect parents' institutional and individual authority. Montana School Boards Association Executive Director Lance Melton said the model policies drafted by his organization for use by Montana School Boards contain opt-out provisions for numerous school activities, including sex education, school surveys, health screenings, and vaccination requirements. Those same model policies, he added, grant parents access to instructional and library materials and allow districts to release students for religious instruction off of school property without adversely affecting their attendance record. Melton also noted that the Montana Constitution guarantees a citizen's right to observe and participate in public proceedings, a guarantee that includes a parent's right to voice their views to school boards. Quote, folks are free to raise those issues and to drop their kids out of the curriculum that might be objectionable. That might be objectionable to them in some way, unquote, Melton said. Some of the concerns raised in Montana within the past year are nationalized issues that have found their way into the state, Melton continued. The school boards will work through them as they come up. Increasingly, he sees districts request his organization's assistance with community surveys, listening sessions, and strategic planning. He also said, I think some of it is just opening the lines of communication and making sure that the entirety of your community is heard. School districts do more than just conduct open meetings. At the heart of Montana's parental rights debate, however, is a fundamental disagreement over what public education should be. Schools nationwide have tried in recent decades to create a safer, more supportive environment for their most at-risk, vulnerable students. Classrooms have become more than just a place to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. In recognition of the needs of marginalized student populations, schools have increasingly expanded their mission to help encourage healthy socialization, emotional well-being, tolerance of difference, and critical thinking skills. Such lessons inevitably overlap with personal values, leading to accusations of politically driven indoctrination and, in some cases, a view that teachers should stick strictly to fact-based learning. Prior to withdrawing her boys from her Billings Elementary School, Schneider said she was always on alert for clues that what they were learning in class didn't align with her family's values. When she found a conflict, she greeted it as an opportunity to engage her kids in discussion and supplement their public education rather than undercut it. Kids spend a lot of time with their teachers, Schneider said, and that level of influence makes it imperative that parents pay close attention. Quote, you have to be so intentional about the time that you do get with your kids because you're missing a lot of those small conversations. Schneider also acknowledged that not all parents are that involved. She recalled a conversation with a public school teacher in Billings who happens to be her lifelong best friend. Through their talk, Schneider said she came to realize why lessons on basic skills like social etiquette have become necessary and why that may not sit well with parents who view such lessons as rightfully their domain. She said, I'm teaching kids how to look somebody in the eye and shake their hand. I'm teaching kids the basic things that parents should be teaching them and that aren't being taught, Schneider said. The parents are handing over that education of being a member of society to our school system instead of teaching those skills at home. And I think that's where the problems start to creep in, because that's where your values come in. Pre does take exception to some of the things that were stated by that parent, and we will discuss those in our next episode. Thank you. this fabulous report from Bozeman, Montana. This is Parents' Rights Now. Oh, and please check your show notes. It would be so, so great if you could help us out financially as well. And uh, we do give assistance to all of our chapters. Uh, You can indicate that you prefer for the money to go directly to the state. And Pre keeps 20% of that, and 80% goes to the chapters to help them with their expenses for printing, et cetera. And a lot of them are putting on events, and we encourage them to do that. And so this helps them to grow and to take action. Anyway, just go to the donate page on our website, parentswritesined.org. Thanks much.